This is Daniel Fagella, Head of Research here at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. And today we're talking about culture. There's a lot of elements that make an AI project succeed or fail. We've got to have the right data. We've got to have the right teams assess the project, put a bounding box around it, determine how we're going to measure the return on investment. But we need to have leadership and functional business leaders that understand how this process is going to work, that understand the iterative and experimental nature of AI and are able to endure that and see it through to success. So the question is, how do we adopt and adapt to get where that becomes the norm? That's the topic this week. And our guest this week is Christoph Mackney. Christoph is a managing consultant of Lean AI and Automation at Basler Continental Bank, which is based in Basel, Switzerland, a financial services firm. And he's been working at the intersection of digital transformation and financial services for a great many years and brings some of that wealth of knowledge to this discussion, particularly when it comes to the culture required for AI in the enterprise and how we can conjure that culture, how we can encourage an iterative and experimental mindset from our leadership and be able to see the benefit thereof. Christoph is also an Emerge Plus member. We're doing a better job now of being able to stay in touch with all of our Emerge Plus members around the world. We're starting a new community on Slack coming up pretty soon. In fact, by the time this episode is live, it might actually be up. And we want to be able to pull more success stories and great experiences from some of the wonderful members that we have across the globe. And Christoph is one of them, and so we wanted to reach out to him. If you're interested in being part of a community of AI catalysts for business, then check out Emerge Plus. It's emerj.com slash P1. That's the letter P and then the number one, emerj.com slash P1. And you can learn more about accessing our full AI use case library, as well as our library of infographics, frameworks, and best practices. So whether it comes to proven methods for finding uh, high ROI AI projects, for measuring and predicting the return on investment of AI, or even just for building AI maturity within an enterprise company so that future projects are successful, we have a lot covered in Emerge Plus, and it is ever-expanding, and the community is ever-expanding with really smart folks like Christoph, who we're grateful to have with us as an Emerge Plus member. So you can go to emerj.com p1 and learn more about Emerge Plus. Otherwise, you can enjoy this episode and some of these excellent insights from Christoph himself here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Christoph, I'm glad to have you here with us after we've gotten a couple times to, to chat together. And I know, uh, you know you've been in the financial services world for, for quite some time. We're well aware of sort of the dire need for cultural changes around particularly you know, innovation, and you've got some up-close insight on that. I wanted to tee us up by kind of defining what you mean by innovation and also why, for you, culture of innovation really means so much in the enterprise. Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start with the topic innovation, sure, right? Sure. For, for me, really what I leave in, in our business is you need to be good at efficiency and innovation. And if we focus on innovation, we have to deconstruct that and make it a process where you're able to develop a culture of innovation, right? So for me, basically, innovation is the result of a process of continuously experimenting, testing, learning, yeah. and offering exactly what customers are expecting from you in the right quality at the right price. And this is a rolling process, yep, right? Yep. So you have to be good at that and you need to train these skills. And this is what we are trying to do. And this is what we're going to discuss with you. Yeah. Well, I, you know, a rolling process it is for sure. And I think that part of the challenge here is that this is a little bit different than what maybe previous technology paradigms have required. You know, in the world of artificial intelligence, as you're well aware as a 
longtime listener here and a real self-learner on your own, AI requires an iterative approach. Not everything is going to work out. Not every enabled capability is going to have a very nice, clean little time horizon where we can finish it within a, a certain span of time. For you, is there an even greater impetus to move towards that that culture of innovation given this wave that's coming? And what does that mean for you guys? So that means really for us, you know, putting the customers at the center of what we are doing and trying to experiment and learn and gain insights from the customer, right? And if you, you have a look at the big companies, they're all doing that like pretty much the same way where they are engaging customers in the product development process. And we are moving from traditional product development process to a kind of more lean product development process where we iterate and where we validate ideas with customers before we put some money on the table to produce the product for yeah, the customers. Yeah, yeah. And that's the cycle. You know, yeah. if you're familiar with the, like the lean startup process, yeah, yeah, measure sure, learn, yeah. that's the thing I'm talking about. And the trick is to start small, right? That's always the trick. And then you can scale. That's yeah. the approach basically here. In your experience, we're going to get into the bigger concept of how you see innovation operating within an enterprise. But just to, to lead into that, this idea of lean, you know, some folks who've listened in have heard of the Lean Startup, a great book by Eric Ries, really a, a worthwhile read or a listen for people. It's not necessarily Enterprise 101 from back in the day to, to think that way. Have you seen that kind of a change come mostly from, you know, the right sort of managers who get it, who can kind of drive that culture into their, their departments or from even higher leadership, kind of making it a mandate to be able to to experiment in that way? Because I think some people are nervous about shifting into that mentality versus the old school way. What, what's made this become something that's a little more popular now? Yeah, I mean, you have different ways to have a look at that. One way was, you know, the old traditional way, which is let's try to be more agile. Okay, when you try to be more agile, you have to be iterative. And that's one way to have a look at having some iteration in your process. And then you have the product guys who see that the old process was too expensive. You cannot work on a product idea during one year, and then you bring the product to the market and you know it fails. Yeah. So due to the market evolution, everything is moving so fast, you have to bring this iteration into your process, into your thinking. And then you have to try to train and coach your people to bring them think that way, which means, you know, first we have to validate ideas. Don't put too much money on the table, validate ideas. And once it's getting clear, you can start into your MVP, bringing some more data into your game, analytics, yeah. getting more insights and growing. You know, that's, yeah. that's the trick. And this can come from different parts of your company, but the market will push you into this direction anyway. The competitors are doing that. So that's yeah. what, you know, you need to do as well. So your concept of, of innovation, balancing that with, with efficiencies is somewhat unique. So maybe we can talk a little bit about how you think innovation should operate within an enterprise. A lot of our listeners are, are really wondering this, right? They've got to they've got to find some near-term wins with AI, but as we've talked about on the show and written about at great length uh, on Emerge and Emerge Plus, yeah, there's all kinds of downsides for hunting for little point solutions and quick wins when we're not really building maturity and we're not really educating our folks and, and, and building fluency here. So yeah. how do you see this teeter-totter between innovation and efficiency, and how do you like to explain that to enterprise folks? So here I can explain the approach that I try to train and coach so that we can develop some more efficiency and innovation, you know, within different projects that we are doing. So basically, I try to combine both and it's maturity level. You know, I always start step one. Let's be clear on our processes, on our data. Let's establish a clear governance, put some KPIs in place. Let's have a good basis, you know. 
Step two, let's roll on some improvements. So you want to have a good data quality. You want to have a good, you know, process improvement methodology in place. And once, you know, you start rolling that, you can put in place some innovation process. So what does that mean? You know, if you really want to be innovative, you have to practice innovation and learning. So let's try to take one process framework like the Google Design Sprint. And this is something you can integrate as a methodology in any innovation process that you want to start. You are starting a new project. You want to digitalize, you know, like a big process. You don't know what the solution you would be. So let's put in place in the first week a design sprint. And this will give you the opportunity to reflect and be more innovative. This is how you integrate that. And once you, once you go into the thinking, you know, you find sweet spots which you can improve or digitalize. You go into the re realization of the process. And that is where, you know, you will find some limitation where you need AI to be able to solve the problem. At the end of the day, it's really about solving the customer problems and making the customer successful. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned kind of a tool from Google here, which yeah, the you know, sprint. they've got kind of a sprint process. Is this something that I imagine it's a tool that folks can just kind of Google and find on their own. Is this something that kind of as an innovation leader, it's sort of your role to get everybody on the same page about engaging with this? Because I imagine with a very complex yeah. project, certainly any yeah. of the big AI projects we've talked about on the show, we got to have subject matter experts. we got to have potentially yeah. even IT folks, maybe even some data science folks, of course, if it's going to be, if we presume it's going to involve AI, we should probably have them throw their chips on yeah. the table here about what's realistic. Who do we have to pull in to make these sprints a really powerful tool to move quickly? So when you kickstart the project, you, you need to have the business experts in place. And one or two technical guys who are well aware of machine learning and data science. But it's really about having the business guys and the business experts validating with customers the real needs. You know, you need to, to have a laser focus on the customer needs and the customer problems. And once it's a little bit clear in which direction you want to go, iterate and produce some solutions which you're going to validate with the customers and integrate the customer feedback. And this is how AI matches with the innovation framework. And just to be clear, too, about our definition of customer, you know, just from what I know of banking, and I have call it fortunate or unfortunate, I don't know. Mo most of our market research is in your world. So spend more time talking to banking innovation leaders and banking AI vendors than essentially any, any other sector. There's so many people that could be the customer here from what I'm gathering. And I want to make sure maybe I clarify this with you in the audience. Sometimes it's your, you know, retail banking customer who needs to, you know, get their balance or, you know, transfer some money or whatever. Yeah. So, sometimes we're focusing on maybe a much more mundane internal process where do we call the customer the person doing this auditing process or the person, of course, sometimes those auditing processes influence the customer experience in terms of speed, in terms of the output that they get in their hands. And so sometimes we can talk about the, the customer in the literal sense, right? The person who does business with us. Sometimes the, it's more like the internal user. Can it come from either vantage yeah. point? I think so. I tend to focus more on external customers. Okay. So at the okay. end of the day, the guy's paying for your product, you know, yeah, because yeah. you are delivering for them. So that that's our main focus, basically. Got it. You know, so my approach is kind of a mixed approach where we have within the project, the innovation framework, which is integrated. That's the Google Design Sprint. And then you need to put that into the mindset of the guys so that you bring people into this innovation path. And this is where leadership has a strong role to play. Because you need to train your people to think into this direction, right? This is where you go into coaching, into training, and developing some daily routines where you try to train people to think like five minutes a day about what can they improve, 
maybe calling a customer, maybe calling, you know, two or three customers a day, gathering ideas, gathering yeah, insights. Yeah. That's the cycle I'm talking about. Great. Well, this is, I mean, so I, I like this idea of, you know, where to start. And, and I do think that, you know, it doesn't seem self-evident that all innovation projects, like 100% would start with the customer. Although I imagine at the end of the day, you know, a great many of them would, would and certainly being close to the customers matters a ton. You had talked about, you know, having some calls with the customer, developing those habits. That's an awesome topic. I really like this topic. You know, when you think about, when you come in as someone trying to encourage innovation and you've got some great experience here, you know, you can take folks through sprints and get them to collaborate and put ideas on the table and work towards the North Star of the customer. That's great. Yeah. There's these other habits, though, that you're just touching on, you know, getting people to maybe call some customers. What are a couple examples of some of these smart habits that you've seen the successful innovation teams do well that get people tighter to calibrating more quickly to to solving those problems? So, you know, talking to customers is very good, but not trying to gather too much data. Actually, to take decisions, you don't need to talk to 500 customers. It is already good if you have like five customers telling you, hey, it's already something which I would be ready to pay. Just go for that. So it's really better to talk every day to one or two customers and try to take already a decision based on some data rather than, you know, making like a big project during one year and not moving forward. Yeah. So it's really about, yeah, yeah, moving forward, small step. And, you know, you can, this is something you can really establish in a team by putting in place some daily routines. For example, you want your guys to reflect every day, five minutes, what can I do better for my customers? What have I learned from the customer contact, from the customer complaint? What is something mm. I can do better to better mm. serve my customers? Mm-hmm. And you know, and this is something which leads you, you know, automatically in innovation efficiency and AI. If you have some technical problems to solve that you cannot solve today, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like this. Uh, you know, having a good starting point for innovation efforts. You know, every department within you know a, a bank is going to have different sets of problems. But if we can all think about what that you know, small or maybe even sometimes large improvement could be based on what we've learned. Those are nice vantage points to to begin. In my mind here, Christoph, I'm imagining, you know, customer service agents as the easiest example of what you're talking about, you know, because they're talking to the customer all day. So what did you learn? But I imagine the same thing could be asked of, you know, folks that are heading up, you know, anti-money laundering efforts or who are heading up marketing efforts who are heading up whatever, for some of these people that maybe aren't interacting with the customer per se on a, on a day-to-day basis, is the process more or less, this, I imagine anti-money laundering, okay, you're getting to examine some payments from, from some folks that yeah. are criminals, and then you're getting to examine some payments from some folks who are not criminals. Maybe that, we can call that a customer interaction. Yeah. What, what is this? No. How do we define this? But this is for me pure efficiency. You know, you have some guys in the back of his, you know, which are not talking to the customers every day. So here you want to focus on efficiency, efficiency because if they do a great job at automating and scaling the process through efficiency, the customers will be more happy and benefit from that indirectly. Got it. So that's okay. part of the same concept. Okay. Right. Okay. And actually, it's fantastic to bring back office people to talk to final customers even if they wouldn't do that in their daily job, because that's only the way for them to really understand the market and to really understand the final customers. Yeah, yeah, because it's, you know, I could imagine you're you're working away on, you know, detecting payment fraud all day. You're not really talking to the customer. You're just looking at nope. transactions. But if you know that, yeah. that, you know, if you know the consequence of what 
a, a false positive is for a customer on vacation who's just trying to buy exactly. you know, a life jacket or buy a, a bottle of exactly. sunscreen. You know, so some some of that stuff can can bring maybe motivation and, and ideas. Yeah. You know, you talk about innovation and efficiency here. Is there a similar process for our efficiency people? You mentioned kind of the pure back office. We really just want to focus yep. on getting fast, you know, kind of limiting our, our expenses so that that'll reflect better for, for the front end customer. Is there is there a whole different world of process to get those folks to think about ideas or is it a similar kind of a sprint to take those processes to the next level? Well, so then I'm talking about lean here, like the lean sprint, which is similar, a little bit different. But it's the same idea. You bring okay. the expert together, back office, mid office, and you make them work on the process. You know, like value stream mapping, you go through the value stream and you talk to the people. So guys, what can we do better for the customer? Where are your pain points? What can we eliminate? That's a standard way of improving processes. And sometimes this will bring you to more innovation. For example, you know, a good way to start about basic machine learning and AI is you get some paper in a company, you get lots of letters and you want to get rid of all this paper. Yeah. So you bring an OCR engine in play. Sure. This is already the first basic commodity case to start ML on AI. And that's how small companies can start with that, you know, with low risk and yeah. have a first experience, gain momentum. And over time, after you have some momentum for small AI projects, you can engage leaders to support that. Yeah. And then you can, you know, attach a strategy where AI is, is part of that. Build a roadmap and yeah, expand things from there. But yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Yeah. So, okay, great. I, I think that's a nice kind of dynamic to bear in mind. Right before I get into our final question here with some quick takeaways, I like this idea of habits, you know, so you've, you've mentioned a couple sprints, yeah. the lean sprint, kind of Google's design yeah. sprint. Some of the people listening right now, you know, are probably going to go Google that. And, and I think that's useful, you know, pulling in the different stakeholders, the data science folks, the subject matter expertise, leadership to, to come up with these great ideas. And, and again, be more continuous about our feedback as opposed to once a year, big fat survey kind of thing. Daily habits, the five minute write down, how can you better serve your customer? That sounds like a neat idea um, that could be stored in some common repository. Maybe we can find commonalities there and then think about them together. A any other small things that a leader can encourage you know, their teams to do that can bring them closer to that innovation culture because I think these needle movers are so important in the enterprise. It is, you're absolutely right. So I tend to say, let's dream big. Let's have a big vision for our customers, but let's start small. And any idea can be a fantastic idea. You need to test hundreds of ideas before you find one idea, which is very good. Yep. So you need to open up, give space to your people and allow them to be able to test out new things. And this is the only way by experimenting a lot that you can increase the odds of being su successful at innovation. So yeah. that's the one of the good ways to do that. And it doesn't cost a lot of money. It's just about, you know, the right mindset, the right structure, the right process, and then, you know, engaging your people. And that's, that's uh, how we, we kind of do it. Great, great. So yeah, in building some of those habits to maybe have, you know, touches with customers more frequently could be one thing. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. And, and then secondly, maybe jotting down those ideas that, that could help with improvement yeah. as well. Is there a way where all of these collections of ideas get kind of put together and sorted? Because I imagine when you get into your sprint, you know, and you're kind of deciding what do we want to, it's not just one person sprinting in the corner, there's going to, we're probably going to pull a team together to work on a project. You know, sorting and organizing the myriad different ideas that come to the fore and figuring out which ones historically were winners and were losers. 
you know, as far as I know, and, and this might just be because I don't, I'm not a head of innovation at an enterprise, although I do talk to many of them, I'm, I'm not aware of like a single software solution where that stuff is really managed. It feels like it's a little bit yeah. ad, ad hoc. How do people juggle that? Because that feels complicated. How do we prioritize innovation efforts? And then also, how do we know what were the winners and losers from the last couple of years? I mean, this is, uh, this is tough stuff. Yeah. So one way to do that would be to focus on the business value. If you have hundreds of ideas, you need to kind of, you know, filter them. So here we have two models. The first one would be to focus on the value and, you know, based on value and cost, that's yeah. one basic matrix. Yeah. And the other one, if we are talking about pure innovation, like, you know, the ideas are really futuristic, you need like the three standard criteria, which is called the innovation, you know, uh, trinity or the sweet spot, which is like desirability of the solution, the feasibility of the solution, and the viability of the solution. So are you thinking about a solution which is something the customer wants? Are you able to build the solution? And are you able to sell the solution? And this is kind of a filter which is quite easy to apply where you can filter out like 500 ideas yeah. and you, you can apply the three criteria and get basically the 20 good ideas out okay. of that. So I would go for that. Got it. I like it. I think that's, that's probably a good lens to, to think through. Any parting notes yep. here? We're just about to, to wrap up, but I'm thinking about, you know, if there's any maybe common mistakes to avoid is a great thing for folks because, you know, a lot of people have, have learned, you know, hard lessons working in innovation and, and really seeing these efforts come through. You know, if, if there's other folks listening in and innovation, maybe in manufacturing or whatever the sector, are there places where you see innovation efforts go wrong and then there's a common thing we want to avoid doing? Any quick takeaways for the listeners? So sure, innovation is something you need to be good at for the future, for your long-term future. For sure. My recommendation is to start small, to engage your employees. Don't be afraid to test out new things, but you need to put in place a structure where people can take the time to come up with ideas and where you have some people who are able to test these ideas and validate with customers. At the end of the day, the key is the customer. So that's my recommendation. Engage the customers, engage your employees, like on a daily basis yeah. or like on, on an, or, or, you know, every hour. You need to increase the speed of the movement. And that's uh, something which I think is important. Cool, cool. So that's kind of the direction to go in. And for you listeners tuned in, I think some mental checkboxes here are, you know, are we really encouraging that amount of engagement from our team members? Yes or no. How frequently are we pulsing our audience? You know, is it once a year? Is it once a day? We want to get closer to the latter. And are we pulling multiple stakeholders together regularly to find these opportunities that could be transformative and, and ranking and scoring them properly? I think those might be three little mental checkboxes for Mr. Kristoff that uh, people could use as take home. So Christoph, hey, I know that's all we had for time for the first interview here, but thank you so much for being able to join us on the show. The last thing I wanted to, to throw out there, you and I first met because you're you're an Emerge Plus member, and we've got such a wealth of knowledge of, of Plus members around the world. We're going to have more and more of you guys on the show. I want to close off with, with some of your thoughts about what you found useful on the platform itself and, and why you, know, you think it might be helpful for other innovation leaders, because I know there's a lot tuned in. Oh, yeah, Dan, absolutely. So what I really like on your webpage is the Emerge Plus area. This is where the first time I discovered that, you know, you can really browse through the different use cases, which is really useful if you want to start or if you want to get some inspiration, you know. So that's how I use your webpage to get some inspiration and discover new cases, as well as the kind of community that you're building around that. And being part of this community is really fun. Cool. Well, yeah, hey, we're, we're glad to have you. And I, I have to say, I do think that 
we call it kind of the jump off point. The use case explorer is often just a place where people can search for everything customer exactly. service, everything banking, stratify it by different criteria and find all kinds of neat ideas. And it's cool to hear that that's what you're using it for as well. If you're listening in right now and you haven't checked out Emerge Plus, you can go to emerj.com slash P1 and learn more about the platform. Otherwise, Christoph, thank you so much for being able to join us. This was a lot of fun today. My pleasure. Thank you, Dan. Have a nice day. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Christoph for being able to join us and thank you to you for listening all the way through. Again, we're going to be doing a better job of pulling in some of the wealth of knowledge from our Emerge Plus members onto our podcast. Folks who really have boots on the ground experience seeing the hard things happen with AI in the enterprise and seeing success stories happen with the AI in the enterprise. We have hundreds of members in Emerge Plus who have that kind of practical experience and we want to bring more of their knowledge to you. And I hope if you'd like to join that community, you can learn more about Emerge Plus at emerj.com slash P1. That's P as in plus and then the number one. And be sure if you aren't already to be subscribed to our latest podcast called the AI Consulting Podcast. You can just type that into Google, the AI Consulting Podcast, or you can find it on Apple Podcasts, otherwise known as iTunes, or SoundCloud, Spotify, or other platforms, just the AI Consulting Podcast. If you are a service provider or you're thinking about starting a consulting firm one day uh, in the domain of AI or AI services, even if you don't write any code, in fact, most of our listeners and most of our Merge Plus members are non-technical, then be sure to check out that podcast, the AI Consulting Podcast. So again, big thanks to Christoph, and I look forward to catching all of you in our next episode here on the AI and Business Podcast. Thank you.